Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We'll be preaching out of the Bible this morning. In case we had somebody that didn't know. We'll be reading. Oh, what? We're so privileged. People that at one time, the early church didn't have a scripture. They were beginning to live the scripture, the epistles and they, they just didn't have the advantages that we have today. And um, you think about this book. You think about, wow, thank you, Lord. Some parts of the world, just one page. I've read where people have just held dear, just one had one little part of the Bible. And we're so privileged that God has been so good to us. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Hallelujah. So I want you to go with me. We're going to be looking into some verses in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. I want to read through the 8th through the 10th. Now, the Lord is speaking here to his disciples find out in verse 1. He's speaking to his mathetes, his disciples, and so when we look at this verse, this isn't going to be time dated, this one. He's talking about when, when actually when he leaves. And, uh, but verse 8, but do not be called rabbi. Mm-mm. Talking to them and to us. For one is your leader, the Christ. And you are all brothers. Mm, that's good. That's good. And call no one father on earth, for one is your father, the one in heaven. Nor be called leaders. And let me just touch on that. I I don't know what the, the King James says. Don't be called masters. That's actually closer. Um, this word here that's used in the Greek actually means a master teacher. So, uh, for one is your leader, Christ. But the greater of you shall be your servant. Now, the Roman Catholic Church Empire is built on a lie. Either Jesus is right or they are right. They have a master leader, which is a pope. I don't want to go too far blaming other other, uh, movements because the Christian movement also all comes together and they all appoint and elect, duly elect their self, a master leader. Sorry, 
The Roman system is completely, don't call anyone father. What do you think they call the priests? Why do they call them that? Because the system is wrong. It's built wrong. It's built on the wrong thing. It's not built on Christ. And uh, so, anyway, we'll come back and visit this in a little bit. But let's go to the book of John, if you would, to the um, fourth chapter, uh, 26 verse. Fourth chapter, 26 verse. I think that's where we're at. Yes. And Jesus said to her, I am the one speaking to you. Now, here's your translation in the English. Jesus says to her, I that speak unto you am he. Wrong translation. Ego, I me. I am the one speaking to you. This woman has come out to see Jesus. She knows nothing about the Christ. She's known nothing about, in fact, she's detached from the whole religious order of the Jews. Remember, Jesus asked her for a drink, and she says to him, why do you ask me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman, and you are a Jewish man. This should never be. And Jesus begins to break down now. Now, I believe it was for her, but I believe it was for us, too. Can you say amen? And so we see something here that, that uh, is going on with the Lord. Now, he wants to always show this, and you're going to find this, and I love this in the Greek New Testament. You're going to find example after example after example that's not translated properly uh, into the English a lot of times in, in a lot of translations where Jesus will say, I am, I am. Because I believe this morning he is the rabbi I am. Father, I showed them your name. I said this last week. The name of God is not Abba. Don't let anybody tell you that. That's crazy. The name of God is I am. I am that I am. Lord, we just come before you this morning. We ask you that you would just open our hearts. May we just receive a little something from you. Encourage us. I'm going to, with my best effort, Lord, I'm going to try to preach Jesus Christ this morning. and Glorify you, lift you up in the eyes of everyone here. I believe that's my duty as a preacher this morning. We're going to do that, and I pray that you will be exalted and lifted, and that your name will be believed on. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. One of the anchors, one of the key stones of our faith is this scripture found in the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I want to qualify this for just a minute. Jesus Christ. Everybody say Christ. We don't know him as Christ until he goes to Jordan. So Jesus, the baby, not the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never always be a baby. Jesus, the toddler. No, he doesn't remain the toddler. Jesus, the teenager, doesn't remain the teenager. Jesus, the young man, he doesn't remain the young man. 
But when he gets to Christ, this ongoing proceeding revelation of who he is, when he shows up as Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many can believe that? Say amen. So, as the rabbi, he is the same. As Christ, he was Yahweh God manifest in the flesh. He is the great high priest as Christ. That prophet spoken of in the book of Deuteronomy. The Messiah as Christ. The Lamb of God the mediator of God and man, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lord, the Son of Man, the only begotten Son of God, and He was the great I Am Rabbi. Those things will never change about Him. He will forever be the High Priest. Can you say amen? He will forever be the Redeemer. Forever He is Lord. Forever He is Savior. Forever He is the Rabbi of God. He died as the Rabbi. He rose again as the Rabbi. He ascended on high as the Rabbi. He is seated in the right of God, the place of majesty and authority, as the rabbi, and he will always be the material matter, the rabbi I am. Let me say, where is the body of Jesus? We talked about that last week. In the right of God. That's what Stephen saw. Stephen saw the rabbi stand up. He didn't glimpse into heaven and just see spiritual things. Our carnal eyes cannot see spiritual things. He sees the very body of the glorified Rabbi Jesus Christ standing in all power and authority. Say amen, church. Amen, amen, amen. Do not be called rabbi. That to the Lord is like somebody taking the title of Christ. You don't get to be called Christ. There's this foolish, all these faith people and, and, and the foolishness that they delve in. And several of them at some point have got to the place where they said, you know, we are exactly like God. And so we are only begotten sons of God. Now, time out on that. There's just one. Everybody say one. You go back to one again, the oneness of the faith, something that, that we heard Wednesday night. There is one rabbi, the Christ. You're not the rabbi. I'm not the rabbi. He's the rabbi. He will remain in infinity, infinitely the rabbi. No one's going to take his place. There will not come a greater teacher. There will not come a greater revelation of God. There will not come another fullness of God that's greater than the rabbi Jesus. He is all things 
All things exist by Him. All things hold together by Him. By the word of His mouth, all things stay as they are. And He is the great one. He is the Rabbi Jesus. Everybody say amen. Say, well, Pastor, why you get on this Rabbi kick? I love it. I love it. I said this a few weeks ago, and, and so... Do you believe that we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you believe what is at the ending of a lot of the epistles, I pray that you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I've already, you know, I've been saved a while, and, and man, I've been studying the Bible and everything. Well, I'm going to tell you what. There is room to grow in the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of the newness and the freshness of our Christian walk. A lot of people are tired and, and just have, you know, they've been to church so many Sundays in a row that it's just habitual. I mean, it's just something we do. We just get up, we, we clean up, we go to church, and then when we're done, thank God we're done, we can go eat and do other things now. And until and next Sunday, that, that's no revelation of Christ. There is always the quest of the Christian life. And I look at Paul, and I was thinking about this the other day, that Paul and all that he had gone through, we talked about Moses last week, all the miracle signs and wonders and mighty, mighty things that he saw, and he still had this hunger in his heart, God, show me your glory. And I see Paul and all establishing the, the, the known world with churches and miracles and wonders that, that he performed by the hand of the Lord, raising people from the dead, casting out devils, and, and he said, I've given it all, everything that I am, everything I have, everything I've got, everything I'm not, I've given it all that I might know him. See, this should be the quest of the church. The quest of the church is not to see how many times you can go to church. And at the end of our life, they lay us down, and then God takes out the scorebook. Let's see here. Oh, you missed church there. Boy, you got a lot of them in a row. You did really good. That says nothing. Church is the congregating of you and I so that we might celebrate and find our Lord. And so this, this, this idea of growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, and so the Lord began to show me some things about this rabbi, and I'm beginning to relate to the way the rabbi cared for his people and the way the people cared for him. So do not be called rabbi. You have one. Don't be called master teacher. Now, I've been studying for some time, and so, Lord, there's, there's got to be something about this, and so I'm, I've, I've got... You know, we have access that's incredible, um, access on the computer to things that you would have had to study out in libraries, and they're just, bang, they're just there. And I'm studying, and I'm looking. I said, Lord, you know, I know it's disciples. I know, I know that you've got, in, in, in the, you know, you have your followers, you have your disciples, but, but what is this group, and how are they, and what are they? And, and so I've been studying, and I, I ran across something, and I don't think it was by accident, but I ran across something. I found the term used for the followers or disciples of a Jewish rabbi. The group or discipleship is called 
the Talmud in. I didn't know that. Each follower is called a Talmud. Has anybody ever heard that? Okay, there's some that have. I, I didn't know that, and so I was excited to find that. The word Talmud is synonymous with the Greek word that we take as disciple. It's a synonymous word, mathete. That's the, the common Greek word for disciples. And so uh, the Talmudim is the group of the disciples. Now, the rabbi would hand-select his disciples. Sometimes one would ask for admittance into the Talmudim, but the rabbi had to see the potential of that disciple that he had the right virtues to become like the rabbi. That changes the whole scope of things. When you realize that you are a disciple, not to join the church and join the club. You are a disciple to become like Jesus. So no wonder the Lord said, a man came to him and said, Lord, I, I, I want to um, join up with you, and, uh, but my father, I need to bury them. Um, another one said, I have, you know, a, a, a field that that I need to take. I forget just exactly, but there were a few that had come to Jesus and said, I've got a few extra things. Jesus said, no, no, no. No, no, no. He didn't see the potential for them to become like him. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and this, this, may, this may shatter some things about religion. Jesus is not receiving anyone who does not intend to become like him. Get out the book and join the church. Get the card, put it in your pocket. I'm a member of such and such church means absolutely nothing to the Lord. His group of disciples, or Talmudim, are those who are pursuing to become exactly what the rabbi is. And thank God for His grace, don't you? Come on, amen. Thank God for His grace. Because, because in my comparing myself to the Lord, I really come up short. Can anybody else say amen to that? But the idea is that we are learning. So the Lord sees the potential, or a Jewish rabbi saw the potential in a young man. And, and not to discount our ladies, the Lord also allowed the ladies to sit at His feet. And He taught them too. But he took men as his Talmudim. And so when the Lord or the, the rabbi, the Jewish rabbi, sees the potential of this person, this, this young man that wants to follow a certain rabbi, then that rabbi accepts him, but he accepts him with the idea that 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 young man, young lady, is going to take on his view. The Lord doesn't accept you to take on your own view. Something Brother Dustin said the other day that really stuck with me. He, he, Sunday night, I think it was. 
He said somebody made a quote that said, God made the garment, not us. What was, what was the measure? What was that, Dustin? Yes. The robe of righteousness is not, it's, we didn't put it together. We didn't figure it out. Man didn't do it, right? God did it and said, man, you got to fit into it. And so this is the idea of the rabbi and, and his followers, his disciples. Uh, they are going to fit into his mold. They are going to see things the way he sees them. And so we, we just have a local body here. We don't have a rabbi. We have a pastor who is an under-shepherd. I don't claim to be a rabbi. I'm just under the Lord. And he's commissioned me to preach and help people find the Lord and, and encourage people in the Lord. But there is a view of this that this ministry in this church receives. Say amen. There's a view. And everyone that teaches, everyone that preaches, everyone that gets up and does children's church sees the view of which the ministry leads to Christ here or you don't teach. Because we have one view. We are taking on the view of the Lord. And there's lots of churches and lots of views, but, but I like this because there's just one view of the rabbi. He just has one view. This is, this is so good. I'm, I'm going to try and get through this. Is, this is some really great stuff here. You're going to say, okay, come on with it. You haven't got there yet. So it was incumbent upon each Talmud, each one of them, to take on the teacher's views. Okay, most rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, required the Talmudim to take on, and they called this, the yoke of the Torah. Does everybody know what the Torah is? The Torah is just another word for the Pentateuch, the first five books that Moses wrote. That was the law. And so the rabbi required their followers to take on the yoke of the Torah as it was interpreted and placed upon them just as the rabbi, the said rabbi, received it from his rabbi. When you learned of a rabbi, you never went against that rabbi's teaching. Remember the Lord said this. He said, you will never be greater, the servant will never be greater than the master. It is good enough for him to be like the master. Because all of a sudden, you know, you don't come up with teaching that's beyond what your rabbi taught you. And now, I've, I've, one of the things that Kay and I have talked about this, and over the, over the uh, years of, of pastoring and working with people, we have had people from all kinds of different backgrounds in all kinds of different church settings. One of the hardest things to do, and, and let me say that when new disciples come into, it's just like they just fall into to what we're teaching in the Scripture, and they see it. But if you have a background of another teaching, it's very, very difficult. It takes a little bit of time to get through it. And all of you that know what I'm talking about, say amen. Because some learned under us, some learned under others, came then under us, and we're trying to teach Jesus, and they, they, they learned a different way. They learned something else that was going on. And so um, all the views have to come together, and they, they become the same. But it's incumbent upon the follower, no one can make you change your mind. 
No one can force you into something. Well, it's like the little guy, mama said, sit down. He said, I'm not sitting down. He said, you sit down or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank your hind end until you sit down. He said, well, I'm going to sit down, but I'm only sitting down on the outside. I'm not sitting down on the inside. And I understand that in church. Because, okay, I've got my stuff. And I've got the hardest thing for you to do is to turn loose of your opinion. Have you ever read the Scripture in Philippians, the second chapter, and said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus? You know what that word mind is right there? Opinion. We all have them. Can you say amen? And the one that doesn't say amen, you need it the worst. Because we are opinionated people. It's who we are. The hardest thing for us to do is turn loose of our opinion. It's almost like we lose our identity by doing That's exactly what the Lord is saying. If you come to me, you must forsake yourself. You must deny yourself. And that basically means the same thing as that you go to a single opinion that's not yours, but it's the Lord's opinion. Is everybody okay with that? And so this is the way the rabbi and his followers worked. And so this yoke of Torah that was placed upon them, and I, you, you know where I'm going with this. How many, how many know the yoke? Okay. The yoke of Torah was placed upon them, the Jewish rabbi, upon the people. But it was heavy. And I'm going to tell you why here just in a minute. Other rabbis spoke, and, and, and this, is, this is interesting. 99% of the rabbis put, just put the yoke of Torah upon people. But there was a small percentage of rabbis, and they had a Hebrew word for it. They spoke with Samika. Samika. I'm speaking with no knowledge of Hebrew. No. Samika. And then... The Greek words, exousia, you recognize that? The English word is authority. By which they interpreted openly as though they had a source of knowledge. And I'm going to tell you something. This has been a sticker for me. I'm not going to Bible school. I'm going to tell you why. They're going to tell me what they know, and that's what I'm going to know then. And then they're going to hand me a, a diploma and say, you know what I know. I don't want to know what they know. I was in the Pentecost Church of God. We were working towards, you know, I don't know any better. You know, we're raised in church. And so I, I got my exhorters. Well, I had to kind of skip through that because uh, I became the pastor, and this was 1994, 95. And so they slipped me on up to, boy, they just really made a good exception for me. And they slipped me up to ordained. No, no, excuse me, licensed. Now... I'm a licensed minister. Yesterday I wasn't, but now I am. Oh, great praise God. I can really bring the word now. Sent me the booklets so that I could be, fill out the booklets and fill out the little test so I can be ordained. I go to the booklets and I go to the tests and I say to myself, I'm going to have to lie to be ordained. I don't believe any of this junk. It was the same old propaganda that's been put off on the church for a hundred years. 
And I said, I'm not going that way. And so I never was ordained. You're looking at a non-ordained preacher. I'm not ordained. And now I'm just licensed under the covering of Echoes of Calvary Ministries org, whatever it is. <laughs> it's fine. I don't really care. Because I can openly look for the knowledge of God. Now I'm not bound by what they think and what their booklets are and what their stuff is. As far as you're going to go, you're not going any farther than your teacher. That's why I want my teacher to be the great rabbi. And so we eliminate, you know, that it's not wrong to have schooling. I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. But you're going to have to go further than that. And so Jesus spoke with Samika. If I got that one right. Authority. Authority. So when Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to those who the yoke of the Torah has been put upon them. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There isn't anything harder than trying to serve a system. It's heavy. It's, you're looking over your shoulder all the time. I know this. I know this by, by personal experience. I know this by other men. You, you don't have a freedom. It's a heaviness laid upon people. This is what they did. They laid the heavy stuff on the Jewish people. And Jesus said, you won't even use one finger to help lift that weight off of them. But I will tell you this, come unto me, all you that's under that heavy yoke, drop that yoke, come unto me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is light because if you follow him, it's not hard at all if you just follow Jesus. So I think what's meant here is that he's saying, I'm the one, I'm the rabbi with this semika. I'm going to call it fresh revelation. They're going through the drudgery of a, of, of a thousand years. They're going through things that they didn't need to go through. And Jesus says, come unto me. Come here, you all. Come here. I'm saying this this morning. The Lord is saying this to everyone. Come, come here. Come close to me. I will give you fresh revelation. And it will be fresh in your life. Do you like the rain that comes down the first time after there's been a hot summer and it's refreshing and, and you feel that cool? and that This is what the Lord wants to do to our spirit. He wants to, you've been laboring, you've been fighting, you've been toiling, and this is what the Lord said. Come to me. Get over here. Get this yoke. Get where I'm at. I will give you rest for your souls. For I am meek. Now he's going to talk about his rabbi approach, I'm meek. And don't mistake weakness when you talk about meekness. This word meek is prous, demonstrating power without harshness, exercising strength under control. He's not some little weakling. That's not what he means when he says that I am meek. But what it is, is that he is controlling his power. He is not harshly 
uh, lording over you. He's trying to bring you. He's trying to help you. He's on your side. He's the one that is lifting your burden where they are not. They're not lifting your, they're laying heaviness on you, not lifting your burden. He says, I'm the one that'll come in. I've got all the strength to do it, and I'm going to help you lift your burden. This is the difference between religious order and the Lord Jesus Christ. Religious order is going to lay it on you, and the Lord Jesus Christ is going to help lift you. And not only that, He's lowly in heart. He's not boastful and self-reliant about that, but He is is reliant upon what God is going to do in each and every life. Being the rabbi, or being like the rabbi, was the major focus of the Talmudim. When the rabbi felt that a Talmud was prepared, he would send him out to make Talmud of other men. He wasn't free to preach his own gospel. Now, I don't know what's happened to the church, and if the Lord, I I say this because I think when the Lord looks at what's going on in what we call church, he never gave people the right to do their own thing. He just didn't do it. But things have been perverted. Things have been distorted. I think God is trying to help this body to shed some of the things so that our message will be like His message. It won't be our message, but it will be His message. They would become like the original rabbi and follow the original rabbi's teaching if the Talmud that went out taught the same thing that he learned. If he came up with his own gospel, then, then that defiles the direct teachings of the first rabbi, which is the Lord. And so it keeps his gospel extant or in place when we teach exactly what he taught. Is everybody okay so far? Okay, so I'm going to put up on the board there. Brother Ronnie, help me. Uh, Matt, uh, Mark, the third chapter. In the 13th verse, and we're going to read down a little bit. Mark, the third chapter, in the 13th verse. And it's okay, we'll just read in, in uh, King James Version. It'll be just great. And uh, good time for a drink of water. And he goes up into a mountain and calls unto him who he would. Now, didn't I just say that? He called unto him who he would. And he ordained 12. Well, and they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. Isn't this what we just said? When he gets them to the place that they are prepared, then he sends them out. To have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And Simon was surnamed Peter. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed them uh, Bonergus, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, go to Matthew, the 10th chapter, and the 24th verse. See, this is just displaying what we just said about the rabbi and his Talmudin. The disciple is not 
above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Go on to verse 25. It is enough for the disciple, the Talmud, that he be as his rabbi and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Now, I want to say this. The gospel that's being preached out there, general gospel, is accepted by the world. It's not the gospel of the rabbi. They hated his gospel, and they still do. But if we make it what we call palatable, eatable for the public, then everybody welcomes us, puts their arms around us and say, well, we welcome you from California. We're so glad you're here in Oklahoma. You're just going to be one just like the rest of us. And the problem is we're not going to morph into that. In fact, we're going the other direction. We've had enough, and we're going the other direction. So what is Jesus doing in John 20 and 21? Is he introducing another God person in that room where he showed up, where the disciples were? No, no, no. He says this to them. What I have received from my Father, I taught to you. And what you received from me, I want you to teach that to other disciples. And just as I was sent, I send you. See, it's direct work of the rabbi. They know this system. They see it. They know it because they see it all around them. But you'll need what I have. See, you can't go and do it on your own. This thing's not by works. It's not by might. It's not by power. But what is it by? My spirit, says the Lord. And so you are ready. I've taught you for three and a half years. I've put into you. I've put my principles into you. I have showed you for three and a half years how to be and what to preach. And now you're ready to go. I'm about to send you, but something has to happen first. I'm going to give into you what's inside of me. And he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath of God. Now you're ready. You have been my Talmudine, but now you are ready and prepared to go out and make other disciples from the message that I preached. He never commissioned them to do their own thing, ever. He never commissioned them to have their own attitudes, and, and the, the pastors have been talking about that uh, how that those men were great. I love our apostles. I, I love them in their writings. But they were men, and they had to be corrected for some of their attitudes. Some of their, their notions, their opinions were wrong. We are constantly being changed into the image of the rabbi as we see him. And the more we see him, the more we are changed to be like him. Not like church stuff. Like him. Amen. Well, this part here is, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. See, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath also. And, and I have to talk about the Sabbath a little bit so you understand where we're going with this. 
The Son of Man is also Lord. He's also rabbi of the Sabbath. So in John 8, he ran into another problem. Um, the pool of Bethesda, everybody remember, people are laying around, and Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda, and there's one man, and he's just, just going to deal with this one man at this time. And he says to them, would you, would you be healed? And the man says, yeah, I'd like to be healed, but I don't have anybody to get me to the pool. Once the pool is, is agitated by, by the Spirit, somebody said, well, that's just a myth. Well, John wrote it down as fact, so you're a liar. Hello. So anyway, the angel of the Lord comes down, and, and as the first one in the pool is healed. He said, I don't have any. He said, when I'm get, trying to get over there, he's all crippled up. When I'm trying to get over there, somebody else gets in the pool, and I'm out again. Lay here another year. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He'll wonder what in the world. This is a rabbi who speaks with authority. No, dear sir, I'm going to put the yoke of the Torah on you. No, I've already got the yoke of the Torah. No, he's going to put on him the yoke of the Christ. The healing power and presence of the Lord. And so, wouldn't you know it? He did it on a Sabbath. Just not like him. He purposely picked out miracles to do on the Sabbath. No doubt about it. Just go through and look at them. And so we have this big kerfuffle now. The man goes into the temple and he's praising God. And they say, how did you get healed? I don't know, he says. Some guy told me to get up and walk. And then Jesus was in the, And then he found Jesus. And, and then he went back to him and said, Jesus is the one that healed me. Oh, they got mad. Okay, they, he, this, this can't be of God. And so as the scripture said, they lusted to kill him. Because he healed a man on the Sabbath, they lusted to kill, to kill him. And not only that, is he said something interesting. I, I don't know you, you guys that have read this and said, I, I don't understand exactly what that means. Jesus gave them, he gave them this answer. He said, my father works until now, and I work what he works. And they said, they knew this. They said, he's calling himself, he's equating himself with God because he's messing with the Sabbath. Well, I'm going to tell you something about the I am rabbi. He invented the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not for them. It was for him. It was for them to come and to know him. And they were doing something else with the Sabbath. Now, listen, listen this, is, this is awesome. They said to him, there were two reasons why they, want, they lusted to kill him. One was because he loosed the Sabbath. Everybody say loosed. Your scripture is going to say he broke the Sabbath. He didn't break the Sabbath. He loosed it. There's a big difference. I'll tell you why. They taught out of oral tradition called the Mishnah. Has anybody ever heard of the Mishnah? The Mishnah is the oral tradition of the Jews. For a thousand years, they concocted and put together their ideas about the law. They taught what they thought the law was about. And what they taught was more effective to govern and guide the people than the literal scriptures themselves. Jesus is up against a thing because 
He does not believe in the Mishnah. He believes in the Word of God. And they have doctored the Word of God with the Mishnah. And that's why he said, with your traditions, you have made the Word of God of non-effect because you have written out, or they hadn't at that point actually written it, but they had followed to the T the law of the Mishnah. The Mishnah had 39 categories of how that you should observe the Sabbath day. And all that the Lord said was that you shall honor it and not do any servile work. That's all he said. And they connected 39 categories with it. And that's why they could say, well, you can only go, um, you know, a Sabbath day journey. You read out in the scripture. They made that up, not the Lord. These guys were such hypocrites, they would allow themselves a mile or whatever it was, anything after that was servile work. They would sit and eat at that mile marker. They would eat food, put it there the day before, eat it, and once they ate it, then it was like they were refreshed, ready. It was okay for them to go another mile. It was all about them. It was nothing about God. And the Mishnah served as a, as a distraction to the Scriptures and And it was in between them and the Torah. It was between them and God's words. And this Mishnah ruled. But I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He did not, did not ever teach the Mishnah. They told him, who gave you the authority to do these things? Who gave you the authority to tell people that they could eat without washing hands? God never said you couldn't eat without washing hands. That came from the Mishnah. God said in Deuteronomy 8, now when you have ate and you have been filled, then give thanks unto God. The Mishnah said they had a prayer for every type of food and an ending prayer for every dinner. And if you made a mistake, they had a prayer to fix the prayer. This is what the rabbi was up against. This is what the other rabbis were teaching. This is what Jesus would not teach. He's only going to teach the word of God, plain and simple. Come on, everybody, say amen. And we're going to go somewhere with this because I, I need to get done. But let me, let me jump over here. There is such a thing as making the commandments of men the doctrines of God. That's what Jesus said you're doing with the Mishnah. You're making the commandments of men the doctrine of God. I never made it that. I never called for that, but they did. No wonder Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because you had to take on the Torah and the Mishnah. And nobody could fulfill all that stuff. And so they ruled with an iron hand. They would put people to death over oral traditions. Not the Word of God. Over oral traditions. Now I'm going to tell you what's happened to the Christian church. We have come under a Christian Mishnah. 
I might need to say this real slow because I don't want to hurt anybody, but to me it's very easy and very apparent to see why organizations and denominations have made up rules and dogmas for the church. The same reason why the Jews made up the Mishnah. It's so that they might rule over people. I'm not here to rule over you. This church is not here to rule over you. Our intent is not to govern people. That's the Christian Mishnah. Spinning the scriptures, making them come into our persuasion so that we can rule over people. That's the Mishnah. It's all over the Christian world. You think, well, I, I can, you know, maybe I go to a Baptist church. No, it's there. Well, what about, no, I'll, I'll switch. I'll go Presbyterian. You know, no, it's there. You know it's in the Catholic church. Just. Well, I'll go to a Pentecostal church. Uh, it might be worse there than in the Catholic church. It's this Christian Mishnah that says Jesus plus. You know, we're going to allow you to be a Christian, but you're going to do it through our Mishnah. And what I'm saying this morning is the Lord never taught anything like that. He was plain, simple. His approach was simple. His words were understandable. Do them. His robe of righteousness was there. Get in it. That's all there is to it. You don't need to go through the Christian junk. And so here's, here's this good example. The Lord said, Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. And the Christian Mishnah has put that in 39 categories, just like the Jewish Mishnah put the Sabbath in 39 categories. And depending on what church you go to and what faith that you're in and what organization you belong to, you're going to have a different def definition of what holiness is than the next church is going to have. And all across this city, we got holiness churches that will have nothing to do with each other because it's really not holiness. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. If he showed up, if he showed up, I think in a lot of places he's not going to show up. But if he did, he'd be wearing a beard, sin on the chin. He'd probably have a ring on his finger, a signet. He, the father, when the son came back, prodigal, the first thing he did, put a robe on his back and ring on his finger. He probably, have, probably had a ring on his finger. I don't know. He definitely would be wearing open-toed shoes. Uh -huh. he would not conduct a service under the orthodoxy that we know three songs, a prayer, an offering, a sermon, go home he might just have an offering sometimes he did that and he stood over by the treasury and he talked to his disciples over there he was watching them, see what they would do see, our idea of church has been given to us by the Christian Mishnah. And you can't break it. You've broke it. No, no, God wants to loose it this morning. See, he didn't break the Sabbath. He loosed it. 
because you don't want people healed on the Sabbath, and I'm loosening that this morning. People are going to be healed on the Sabbath. You don't want them saved on the Sabbath. I'm loosening that thing, and I'm going to call people to, to repentance. I'm going to call people, even though you don't want it that way. You're going through the Mishnah. I'm going straight to the Word of God this morning. And all around us, it doesn't matter who it is. There are some good, some bad, all kinds of different things all around us. But I want to tell you this. I'm breaking through this morning. I want you to know this morning, God wants to loose this church from the Mishnah. He is going to work and move as He desires, and He's not going through the channels of organized religion. He's not doing it. In fact, I think if He showed up, He's going to throw in their face it's going to fly in their face about all the methods, and ideas, and ideologies, and all of the dogmas, all of the rules that have been made doctrine in the church. Jesus said, you've made your traditions doctrine. That was his words. It's exactly what the church 2,000 years later has done. I'm not preaching to other churches this morning. I'm preaching to us. But I'm saying God wants to loose us. It uses that same word when the woman came to Jesus that had been bound. She had 18 years, an issue of blood. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, you are loosed. Religion doesn't understand the concept of being loosed to serve Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen. You're loosed this morning. You don't, know, you don't owe anything to me. You might respect me. You might honor me. You might honor our brother, and I think that's perfect and awesome. But I want to tell you something. You are loosed to serve Jesus Christ. Not bound under a system. Come on, say amen. It's time for systems to bow to the Lord. Say, this is how we find God. This is what they did years ago, years and years ago. And so we're going to follow in those systems. But if he really is the rabbi I am, and we are his Talmudim, we have one major focus. To become like him. Not to become churchy. Not to lay down more rules and laws for everybody. But to become like Him. I, it, it's taken me a while. Is everybody okay? Say amen. It's taken me a while, but I finally figured something out. I can't make anybody right or wrong anyway. All I can do is just preach the gospel. That's it. I can tell you about Jesus, but you're going to have to experience him and become one of his Talmud that is part of the Talmudim. Brother Dustin was talking about this the other night, the body of Christ. You don't get to be a follower out there somewhere doing your own thing. No, he's got an order which he works through, and that is he's the rabbi, you're the follower. And he groups us together, and we're grouped together in this body, in this church, I found my dream church. I found it. 
I found it. Don't even have a building to take pictures of. All my hope is in Jesus. All my yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. All my hope is in Jesus. All my yesterday's gone. Brother Joshua, would you come? Brother Austin, would you come? All my sins are forgiven. Dustin, would you come? I've been washed by his blood. Sing again. All my hope is in Jesus. All my yesterday gone. This is all I could get today. All my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by his blood. Harmonize this time. All my hope is in Jesus.